uncomfortable. Dying to yourself can be uncomfortable. Crucifying the flesh can be uncomfortable. Picking up your own cross can be uncomfortable. Sometimes that discomfort and the fear of that discomfort can cause people to give up. Doubt. But it's amazing. As you put off the old and put on the new, it can be uncomfortable. But I love that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit who would be your comforter. He said, I'll pray to the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. A comforter forever. That's who you have inside you. So the process might be uncomfortable, might cause discomfort. But you have a comforter who'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I want to read it in the Amplified to encourage someone here tonight. He said, I'll ask the Father and he'll send you another helper. And in the Amplified, it defines it as comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby be with you forever so Holy Spirit we thank you tonight that you are our comforter you are our advocate you are our intercessor you are our counsellor you are our strengthener and you are our standby you're standing by us forever in us and by us We thank you that you're here tonight. Your beautiful presence. We worship you. We welcome you. This meeting is yours. We surrender ourselves. We ask that you'd have your way in each one of us. We thank you for the worship team who led us so beautifully tonight and for Pastor Tony who's going to bring the word tonight. Change us, Lord. Transform us by your word. Let not one of us leave unchanged tonight. We thank you in advance for what your word will do in our hearts tonight. We love you. We bless you. We adore you and we thank you. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus a clap here tonight. He's so worthy. Hallelujah.
Amen. You can take your seats. Just before we unleash Pastor Tony, just a few announcements real quick. Announcement number one is there's a new camera in the center here. So if you feel led, you know, to run down to the altar to get prayer from Pastor Tony, just don't knock it over. Um, announcement number two, kids are upstairs, ages four and up. So you're welcome to send your kids up there. They need to be toilet trained. Hopefully by the age of four they are. If not, you probably need prayer. So come forward. <laughs> um, what else? Yeah, as soon as the service is over, so as soon as um, Pastor Tony finishes preaching, if you've got kids up there, please go and get them straight away. Um, we're not an authorised childcare centre, so they can't look after them for, for too much long, longer after service. It relieves the team, um, and yeah, please just do that. And... We're on again Wednesday night. Pastor Rabir is preaching, so please join us then. And uh, I love it. I love that we get something different from everyone. You know, Pastor Tony will add something to each one of our spirits tonight. And then Pastor Rabs on Wednesday will add something else. And that's family and that's unity. Amen. Uh, who's excited to hear from Pastor Tony tonight? I know I am. So without further ado, why don't we stand up and honour Pastor Tony as he comes to bring the word tonight. Awesome. Thank you. Stay standing, please. I was going to say, go and say hello to someone you don't like. I'm scared everyone might come up here. So, um, so stay where you are. So let's just pray for one second. Father, we thank you for tonight. This is your night. This is your evening. We are your children. Thank you for the spirit of grace that pours upon us. Let your word light up our hearts. Let Jesus be glorified. There's no other name under heaven to call on but the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. So we thank you, Heavenly Father, for you are our Father. And you love your children. And you gave your one and only Son just for us. We thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you for your word is truth. Lord, let me speak the word in boldness that you, we may receive what the Spirit of grace has to say. And we thank you for today. We thank you for your love and mercy. And we thank you for kids that are quiet in Jesus' name. Amen. I just thought I'd throw that in. Sorry, parents. They got... All right. So three people just left. Welcome. Everyone doing good? No, no one's doing... Everyone's doing bad then. Everyone doing good? I couldn't hear myself five minutes ago. Now everyone's quiet. You know, it's, it's, it's a funny thing. The Bible says that the word of God is the, is the Logos word, which means the living word. The Bible says it's, it's the word Logos in Greek is, means living. And no matter how many times you read the Bible, no matter how many times you read a scripture, you get something out of it. And sometimes you can read something... I know I've just recently been reading stuff for 20 years and the other day I just thought, wow, I just got that. Because it's living, it's breathing. Jesus is the word that became flesh. That means Jesus is the word that became flesh and walked among us. The written word, we always say that the Old Testament conceals what the New Testament 
reveals. Wow, I said it 47 million times last year. So, The Old Testament conceals the hidden treasures of who Christ is and the New Testament reveals who Christ is. Jesus said, I'm the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. So from cover to cover, from page to page, all these stories. You know, the Bible is a book of poetry and a book of it's historic, it's historical stories and it's parables and it's allegories and it's history and it's instructions and it's, all, you know, you could, there's no end to the, to the scripture. But it's the word of God, power unto our salvation, amen. You know, you look every day, you know, in the first chapter of Genesis, it says, in the beginning. And from day one, I mean, the Torah is the Jewish, our Old Testament is the Jewish Torah. And then the New Testament, obviously, is, is the writings of the apostles and the epistles of, of who walked with Jesus. It says, in the beginning, so there was a beginning. But for many years, society didn't believe there was a beginning and scientists didn't believe there was a beginning. But when they invented the Hubble tel Telescope, they come up with this, oh, hang on, we can trace back, there was a beginning, there was a big bang. Now, they're not saying it's God, but they said it was a beginning. So now, all of a sudden, science is catching up with the Bible. This ancient book written by peasants, apparently. And so God says, in the beginning. And it's interesting to know that now, every day, there's a new finding. Every day, there's a new discovery. Every day, and it's everything that's coming that the Bible has been speaking about for centuries. I think one was fascinating that Moses was taking the children out of, uh, out of Egypt through the wilderness. And there's all these laws he got given by God. You know, you can do this, you can do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. And if you get sick, you can do this. You could have bacteria washing, running water. And I think then, listening to this little podcast, Hunter was saying, how did a primitive man know that washing your hands and running water would um, wash away bacteria? When it took doctors years, watched a documentary once, they were, and medical science and people having operations a lot and people were dying and then they realized you know, maybe they should be washing their hands more and you know hygiene and so they watched and then the death started lessening and lessening and then they realized you've got to be washing with running water so medical science just caught up to a guy in the desert and we can go through the scriptures and so the bible is god inspired written by man inspired by god and it's interesting to know last week we spoke about the word the word is a seed talk a lot about in the last uh, several months about dying to self you know and everyone says oh you always talk about dying to self and giving up something you know like, what fun am i going to have i said well, i have more fun than you <laughs> i'm the happiest bloke ever but the word right dying is i'm going to die to myself but christ lives in me so when i die to myself then no longer i live but christ lives in me and the word of god is a seed everything we do is a seed seed and harvest we spoke about this Jesus said, if a kernel of a leaf doesn't fall to the ground and die, it won't produce much fruit. And it's funny, it's funny, hey, Jesus says, he who wants to keep his life must, must, and whoever loses his life will. So it could be a weird day, I've got to lose my life to find it, and if I don't lose it, I won't have a life. And, and it's all about, what's he on about? It's just pretty simple, because I lose my opinion for his opinion. I lose the way I want to do things for the way he wants to do things. So if I lose my life, it means if I die with Christ, guess what? I'm buried with Christ. Guess what? I rise again with Christ. And that way, when something dies, something lives. And a seed, that's what happens with a seed. Go plant any farmers here. I'm not talking about marijuana. I'm talking about 
farmers like flowers, cucumbers, you know. Put your hand out. <laughs> I didn't accuse you of being a, a uh, sower. But if you put a seed in the ground, it dies. And that's weird, eh? I've got a seed, inside a seed, a small little seed. can be a gum tree, it can be a cucumber plant, it could be an apple tree. But when that seed goes into the ground, just a bit of recap from last week, once it goes into the ground, it dies, and then it opens up, and then the life that's in the seed, the image that's in that seed starts to grow. But the seed on its own, sitting up here on this table, can have the potential of growing into whatever the image is inside the seed, the pattern is inside the seed. But until it falls into the soil and dies, it will not produce much. Jesus said, if a kernel of wheat does not fall to the ground, it won't produce much fruit. Speaking of his death, that Jesus said, if I must die, that I must be multiplied. That's why he said, uh, Dorian said it quite well, I'll send you a comforter, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, and he will guide you into all truth. See, Jesus, if he was still alive today as a man, he'd be in Jerusalem, our kids, or your kids, or you need something, you're supposed to play and go to Gilbert and you get a ticket and wait in line. You can't get to RCA in five minutes, let alone to Jesus in Jerusalem. But when Jesus died, he said, I'll send you the Holy Spirit who doesn't have to sleep, who doesn't have to, is is in every heart of every believer that puts his faith and trust in Jesus. Now you're his arms and you're his feet. And now you can go and spread the the gospel and shine a light on that gospel. Does that make sense? So Christianity is not a religion, it's a family. Once you turn it into a religion, it becomes religious, it becomes I must do this to get that, and God hates me, so that's all my sin. And there's no relationship. But the Bible says that we uh, have a relationship with the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. It's a good place to say amen. Last week I said, you know, you can keep a whole bunch of laws without no fellowship becomes legalism. But God is trying to show something to us. This is a reason. Had a bit of a discussion with the person and said to me, oh, the Bible's old fashioned, just throw it away and make it, we just follow the church. And I was talking to this person for about half an hour and I was trying to be nice and, you know, trying to get into an argument. Once he said that, I threw the door, gloves are off. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, I was very nice to him. And she said to me, you don't believe in this saint, you don't pray to that saint. I go, well, <laughs> yes, I do. No, you don't. Well, yes, I do. I believe in St. Matthew and St. Mark and St. Luke and St. John and St. James and St. Philip and St. Peter and St. Paul. And I went, you're the one that doesn't believe in saints. She goes, what do you mean? She goes, you never read the gospel. She goes, no. I said, well, let me give you a bit of a rundown on what happened. Matthew, the book of Matthew, was skinned alive and waited three days to die on the side of the road. Three days, he was skinned alive, put on the side of the road, and people spat at him and laughed at him. And all they ever heard was the gospel as they walked past before he died. And you won't read his book. Peter was hung upside down on a cross. St. Peter, not that St. Peter, or whatever you call him. And I can go through a whole list. Thomas was caught, speared, taken out, tied to his arms and legs, tied to four different horses and they went all different ways and just in, disembalmed his body but now it's not there anymore many were um, skinned alive many were beheaded and these are the people that wrote the gospels they wrote about what they had seen and what they had heard 
Are you going to give us a time slot? And your Bible should even be an answer for each one, so be it. The Bible in you should say that. Amen? There's a man named Paul. His name was Saul. Paul was the Apostle Paul. He was a Jewish uh, Pharisee. He was a Jew. The first recorded murder of a Christian martyr is Stephen. And the people that killed him were ordered by this man named Saul who became the Apostle Paul. He's the one that ordered the murder. So he was a murderer, killing people of the faith, um, locking up people of the faith. And now he had the massive conversion. And now he's a preacher of the gospel. And out of the 27 books in the New Testament, he wrote, I believe, 11 up to 12 books. We read his books. He never walked in Jesus. Wasn't part of the Last Supper. Wasn't part of the, the you know, these disciples. They later became an apostle by the calling of Jesus. And we read a lot of his teachings now. And I want to read something to you here. And this is Paul writing to the churches. So he started establishing churches in Jerusalem and and Philippi and the Middle East and Macedonia and Ephesus and in Greece and what have you. And it's funny, I, sometimes I laugh because I'll see like, you know, boxers and football players, they write Ephesians, uh, Philippians 4.13 on their arms, and uh, which is awesome. But I wonder if they understand, you know, I could do all things Christ who strengthened me and, you know, all these edifying scriptures that we like to quote. Do they realize that he was in jail when he wrote this? A lot of the scriptures that encourage us that don't be anxious for nothing but with prayer and supplication, he was, he was in jail when he wrote them. And here he talks about in Philippi, he's in jail again. And Paul makes this statement. We go to uh, Philippians 1.19. The background here before I read it is he's in jail for the gospel's sake. And people are writing, he's writing letters and people are talking to him and he's saying, it doesn't matter whether I live or die, I won't be ashamed of the gospel. If I come out of here alive, it's to the glory of God. And if I die in jail, it's to the glory of God. But either way, God will be glorified. How about a heart of a man like that? A man that was actually killing people for following Jesus is now became the one ready to die for Jesus. What happened to this man? But I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether I, by life or whether by death. For to me to live is Christ and to, to die is... How can he say a state like that? For me, if I'm on this earth, I'll live and my life is to Christ. In other words, my life is submitted to who Jesus is and what Jesus wants to do with me on this earth. Nothing more, nothing less. And if I die, it's gain because I'll be with him in heaven. And it's an interesting statement that he said that if I live, it's for him, through him, by the power of his might. And if I die, it's gain. I'll get to see him. But either way, my life is his. Does that strike you as a person that's selfish or someone who's dead to himself? We talk a lot about dying to self. We talk about the Bible dying to self. But this is one example of a man who was dead to himself. Wrote some amazing uh, scriptures in the Bible. Now, you may not be asked to die for Christ. We live in a great country. 
We live in a place where, if you're not careful, it won't be great for much longer, but we live in a great country, it won't be disappointing. We're not getting shots to walk in the door, but I know brothers and sisters in the Lord that in order for them to go to church, they have to dodge bullets to go to church because they're getting shot by other people that don't want them to go to church. Getting arrested. Lady right now, I think it's in Bosnia or no, Bolivia, who just got arrested for standing up to her faith in Parliament. They put her in jail for that. There's a guy in America that just got arrested for preaching on the street. For a bunch of people that want tolerance, there's no tolerance. So it's coming. But Paul here tells us that he went while he's in jail that if I live or die, it doesn't matter, I'm here. And a lot of people have gone before us and died that we don't have to die. You know, the Anzacs fought and conquered. And now we get the privilege to live our life like more than a conqueror. A lot of people died on the battlefields of war. World War I, World War II, Gallipoli, in order for us to have freedom here. But we take advantage of that freedom because we think, oh, it's free, we can do whatever I want, but someone paid a price for that freedom. Us as believers, we take the grace of God with a, how can I say we take the grace of God as a cover-up to live the way we want, but you know what? Jesus paid the ultimate price to give us freedom to live like Christ. Your life is not your own. You've been bought at a price. Does He want us to live and have things? Yeah. Does He want us to look after our families? Yeah. See, the whole point of dying to self is that. When someone gets married, what, what, what's the first thing the Bible says? A man should leave his mother and father and what? Become one with his wife. And two shall become one flesh. Jesus said, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. You know, it's interesting when you make a covenant and we don't really understand covenants that well. We understand contracts. We're not really covenant people. But even in the old days, if you shook hands, your, your, your word was your contract. Your word was your uh, vow. And it meant something. before man and before God and that couldn't be broken we're going to go there but I'm going to go there and we'll go back and we'll give you four ways to die who's excited for those who wishes they came who wishes they were at Bondo right now you say amen we rejoice Abraham who knows Abraham he's considered the father of faith not Rabbi Abraham Abraham <laughs> I thought he was upset. No, he's hiding. <laughs> Abraham was the father of faith. The Jews considered him very highly as their patriarch. Christians believe the way we, we serve the same God as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham was known as a man who loved God. He was a friend of God because he believed God. The Bible says he believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God, James 2.23. But Abraham did something very special. So Abraham was minding his own business in the Chaldeans. Any Assyrians, Assyrians here, Chaldeans? Wave your hands. You'll get a mention. The Greeks don't get a mention today. It's not your country, by the way. It's a different... So don't start. Like the Armenians, first Christians, the Greeks, they think that everyone's got a, everyone's got a label on something. Lebanese think Jesus was Lebanese because he walked on water because Lebanese can't swim. But anyway, <laughs> Abraham... 
was minding his own business and God calls him and says, leave your father and mother and go. Where? <laughs> go and I'll show you a land that I'm going to bring you to. And the story goes, Abraham goes and follows God and it's a long story. And he promises Abraham, his name wasn't Abraham at the time, it was Abraham. And then he adds the ham, which means the father of many. That's what his name means. And he says in Genesis chapter 15, verse 7, if you can put it up. It says, then he said to him, I am the Lord of, who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. This, I want you to just focus on inherit it. I gave you, I'm going to give you a land so you can inherit it. When you get an inheritance from someone who dies, did you earn it? Come on, speak to me. Did you earn it? Someone who passes away might leave you something in their will. You didn't earn it. You can't buy it. You just receive it because they've left it for you. So it's something that's placed aside for you at a specific time. Some kids get left a lot of money and it's their inheritance, but they can't touch it to their 18. Some people get left houses, cars, or whatever when a family member passes away. And it's interesting to say that you inherit. I've left you something to inherit. And then Abraham, having these conversations with God, says to him, how can I be sure that I'm going to receive this inheritance? And I think it's a fair question. At that time, Abraham didn't have a Bible. There was no uh, common theme that he knew what the word of God said. I mean, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy weren't written until Moses. Um, this guy was in a pagan tribe. They were sacrificing their children to pagan gods. They were worshipping pagan uh, religion. And yet... He's saying, well, in verse 8, he says, and he said, Lord, how shall I know that I will inherit this? Now, as we said, an inheritance is given freely. Are you with me? And it's interesting to know that Abraham went from town to town to country just following the Lord. And then he promises, because look at the stars. Can you count them? Look at the sand. Can you count them? He goes, that's your descendants. That's how much your descendants are going to be. Your children's children. And he repeatedly says that to him. He was trying to get Abraham to see bigger than what he could believe for. The stars represent Christians and people who are spiritual. And the sand represents, oh, sorry, I should say, yeah, the, the, the sand represents natural Israel. And the stars represent spiritual Israel. The sand represents the natural people. And the, and the stars represent people that have been spirit-filled, washed with his blood. And it's interesting, he says, let's make a covenant. Now, in those days when they made a covenant, the covenant was, they used to say, we will cut a covenant. Now, before I started reading the scripture, now, I always thought, if you heard of a blood covenant, who's ever heard of a blood covenant? They make a, it's usually a gang member or a bikey gang or, you know, the Godfather movie or, or a witch doctor cutting chickens' heads off and, you know, things like that. And they'd make a blood covenant. I didn't understand anything about blood covenants until I understood what Jesus did on the cross, amen? So in the old days, they used to have a covenant, but it wasn't just like, let's make an agreement and let's just sign a contract. That meant nothing. It had to be cut with blood. And one of the things they used to do in the old Semitic Jews and Semitic people was cut an animal in half. I know it stands a bit gory, but... Um, He's all right. <laughs> no, sorry. 
And God says to Abraham, listen, listen to this. God says to Abraham, and I want to show you, show you the Old Testament conceals what the New Testament reveals. He goes to Abraham, go get a cow, a heifer, and go get a goat. And what else was it? A turtle dove, a pigeon, I think it was a goat, a lamb, and cut it in half and lay them both each side. And he goes, and what we'll, do, we'll make a covenant that I will, you will walk through the blood and I will walk through the blood. And we make a blood covenant. And the blood signifies that we both, the shedding of blood is a blood covenant between you and me in the agreement that you will obey me and I'll give you an inheritance and I'll give you children and from your seed the nation will be blessed. And what you had to do was walk through the blood. They used to walk through the blood or they used to cut their hands but this is the, the big one, walk through the blood. And that was, a, that was signifying that if anyone broke this covenant, the same thing that if you broke it, you'd, what would happen to you is what happened to the animals. So you never went into a covenant if you didn't want to keep your end of the bargain. This is not an NRL contract where you can break and go from parrot to titans. Or from West Tigers to Canterbury. But it was serious stuff. Now this is foreign to us. Sorry. It's serious stuff. It's foreign to us. But think about it. You had to check yourself. Is this the right move? This is how serious the covenant was. Now he does all this, and guess what? These fowls of the air, these birds come to try and eat the, the, um, the animals that were cut, and Abraham shoes them off. Speaks of the enemy. So whenever you're ready to do something for God, guess what? The enemy will be knocking on your door. Whenever you make a promise to God, the minute, I guarantee you when we call the fast, food that you've never eaten for two years came flooding back. Guess, oh, I'm craving that food. I'm guarantee you. Isn't it true? There's not the sit came flying through the window. For me, that is. But that's a lie. I eat it every day, but that's the problem. The minute you make a covenant to, to do anything for God, the minute you make a covenant to stand firm for truth, enemy comes knocking on your door. It's whether you are willing to stand firm or do you back off. Here, the fowls of the air came and came to eat the sacrifice. He shoes them off. And I'm cutting this story very short because it goes for a bit, but I just want to get to a point here to show you that Jesus fulfills all Scripture. Amen? Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, and He's the brilliant, bright morning star, the revelation of the New Testament. There's nothing but Jesus, the lover of your soul. No one's going to love you like Jesus. Took me and arrested me 20 years ago, and I've never been the same since. It's an awesome journey to know who Christ is. Not to know about Him, because I would fight you. I would fight you if you said something bad about Jesus. And I would have died and went to hell because I did not know him. But I know him now. And I'm a son. And he's redeemed me. Amen? Come on. And he's redeemed you too. He sees, says here, God speaks to him. He says, all right, it's time to do this covenant. And at verse 17. Of Genesis 15. Sorry. Verse. They're ready to do this covenant. And it came to pass. Sorry, girls. And it came to pass. Get with the program. Hurry up, man. Came to, people want to go eat. Oh, you can't eat. I forgot. And it came to pass 
when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between the pieces. And on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying to your descendants, I will give you this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of Euphrates. Oh, here we go. And the Kenzanites, Kenzos, and the Kenzanites, and the Vegemites, and the Parasites, and Aramites, and the Vegemites, and the Hittites, and you know, all those lands that go all the way from there to there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Guilford, Bankstown, and... He gives them all this land. But before this, what does he do? He's supposed to walk through the blood with God. But guess what? God puts him to sleep. A deep sleep falls on God. Because God understood that if I make a covenant with this guy, and I know man, he knew Adam would fall, he knew Moses would sin, he knew... He goes, if I make a covenant with this man and he breaks my covenant, it's worthy of death. So he puts him to sleep. And the Bible says that God walked through that as a smoke and as a fire. The smoke represents the cloud by day when Egypt left Egypt, uh, the, the Israelites left Egypt, and the fire by night represents His presence. Smoke represents His presence. Fire represents the power of the Holy Spirit. God walked through that and said, "I'll make a covenant with myself because when He does break it, I'll pay the price for it." How good is that? He goes now. The Bible says that He believed God and it was accounted Him. In other words, He believed the gospel in advance. But he couldn't ever go to heaven until Jesus went to the cross. It was put on an account to be fulfilled at the cross. Jesus comes as a man. All those years later, what did he do? He came as Adam. He was in the fleshly suit with the spirit of God in him. The fullness of God dwelt in him. What was he doing? The first man, Adam, sinned. The last man, Adam, brings life. Through one man, sin, sin reigned. But through the second Adam, the last Adam, spiritual guidance, grace and mercy reigns. You know what he was doing here? The inheritance that Abraham got. Abraham got an inheritance he could not buy. He did not deserve. He wasn't even part of the family. But he got an inheritance. You know, there's an inheritance for every one of you is inside your spirit. And God's trying to bring it out if you die to yourself. Think about this. Jesus comes as a man. Fully man and fully God. Not half man, half God. He was fully man and fully God. Took on the, took on the, the form of a man, Adam. The Adam race, the human, mankind. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one on this earth that's not without sin. If you find me one, I'll find you a liar. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all broken our covenant. That's how serious covenants were. That's why Jesus said that if a man should live his mother and father, become one with his wife, it's your responsibility, man, to look after her, to nurture her, to, to, look, to, to, to pray for her, to guard her. Why? Because that's what I'm doing to the church. The church is the bride of Christ. Not as a female entity, but as a body of believers that Christ came to marry his church. What did he do? He laid down his life for her on the cross. God doesn't ask you to do something he hasn't done himself. Jesus left the Father from heaven, renounced, in a sense, he, he lowered himself as a, as a human. He took away his glory from heaven, came on earth to live like you and me. He was tempted in every way, the Bible says. So he left his Father, then he's now he's going to the cross for who? For the sinner, who is his church the bride he says i'm going and when i come back i'll bring you back unto myself and that'll be the marriage supper of the lamb isn't that a good picture he knew that abraham would fall he knew that moses would fall he knew that solomon would fall he knew that adam would fall that's why the bible says that the lamb was slayed before the foundation of the world god made a way before there was even sin that's a good god 
And when we get, we use the grace of God, God's forgiven me, I love it, I repent of my sins, he comes in and washes me, then I rebuse that by thinking, well, I'm saved now, I can do whatever I want. No, you can't. Your life is not your own. Who has done things their way and ended up in a mess? So there's four ways to dying to yourself. Are you ready? I call them the four T's. Four T's, that's worked though. T. Number one, turn. Everyone say turn. Turn Turn away from your old ways and die to the old man and the old ways of thinking. That's called repentance. Let turn away and stop trusting in yourself and turn and trust him. The one that's willing to die for you. Two, trust. God, not man. Trust God's word, not man's words. Trust God's ways, not man's ways. Have a backbone and trust the Bible for what the Bible says is true. And I'm talking to different levels. People are at different levels here and I'm not trying to make it harder or anything. But for those who have been in the Word and been around us long enough, it's time to start believing the Word. God will not anoint and God will not promote immaturity. God wants us to grow up. T number three is time. Spend time in his presence. Spend time in his word. Spend time in the anointing. Time. Don't be so quick to tell God what you want and do things in your way. Wait on the Lord. Put it out there. Throw the seat down and wait. Trust him. Time. It's not a quick fix. Your character won't be changed if I lay hands on you or Rabs lays hands on you or Dorian lays hands on you. It's not going to change. We could help by allowing the Holy Ghost to touch you, but your character will change when you die to self and start working his way. Spend time with him. Get to know his voice. And the, and the last T. So there we got turn, trust, time. And if we do that, guess what? Transformation happens. And this is the most common scripture that we read. Allow the Holy Spirit to transform you into the image of Christ. Romans 12, 2. I want you to read. We, we know it off by heart here. And do not be conformed to this world. And if you read that in the Amplified, you read that in the Greek, it says, do not conform to the pattern, the systems, and the way the world does things. Don't conform to that pattern. And you might say, well, what's wrong with certain things? Well... Every generation of people has a mindset and a systematic set they believe in. Someone said to me, you don't need God to have morality. I said, okay. I said, yeah, you can meet some people who don't know God who have a decent morality, yeah. He goes, so who governs the morality? Who's the absolute truth of the morality? He says, society. Oh, okay, so every German, German in, in Germany were right. Because in that place, everyone believed in killing Jews and putting them into gas chambers. Oh, no, not that. I go, well, that was society. Our society's going to hell right now. Who believes me? I don't care how far we get. A man cannot have a baby. (laughs) Hello? Anyway. I'm in trouble. Do not conform to the patterns and the systems of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, and acceptable and perfect will of God. I like the word transform. People, I want to be transformed. I want to be transformed. Okay? 
Well, how do you get transformed according to this scripture? Renewing of your mind. But if you're not reading this, you're not going to get a renewed mind. See, I can give you a formula to live by, you know, forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and you'll be given unto you. Don't hold offense. They're all principles. You don't have to be Christian even to do that. But how do I get transformed if I'm not reading his word? The only way I get transformed, taken from one place to another, or changed from it, is through his word. And I renew my mind, I start thinking differently. I start operating differently. And I start to do. And what he says here, and then you can prove what is good, 30-fold. And acceptable, 60-fold. And perfect, 100-fold. Little children, young men, old men. In a, out of court, in a court. Holy of holies. Perhaps taught on it, little children. Young, it's the same principle that goes all the way. That Christ made a covenant that he will never break. We might break it, but he'll never break. And to show you throughout the Old Testament, there were so many covenants made, and God always stepped in to cover them for their disobedience. And I love that analogy that Abraham was asleep, so he had nothing to do. He did his part by trusting God. He turned from his family's land, from his father. He trusted. He went where God told him. Then all these things, how will how, how, I know, Lord? Cut the animals in half. He did. And then he had time. He promised him a son. You know when he got that son? When he was close to 100. And then he was transformed to a mighty, mighty nation. The father of faith, we call him. And from Abraham's seed, not seed, seed, meaning one, Christ came from Abraham's lineage. Christ was born and he was able to redeem all of mankind. And he came and walked into that place. You know where the blood, where, the, where, where God walked through the blood? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit walked through that blood and made a covenant with themselves. He says, we'll do it on his behalf because we know he's going to break it and then we'll have to die. So instead, man cannot take away your sin. And he, Jesus can take away your sin. So he went to the cross for you and me. Hallelujah. Does that make sense? Have I, have I, have I confused anyone? Anyone confused is my mate over there. Trust, sorry, turn, trust, allow time so you can be transformed. Four keys. Why do we fast? Because we're going to please God? Nah, God's not pleased by you not eating food. God pleased when we obey his word and the word in us comes to the surface because we've killed ourselves and we're not walking in the ways we want to walk. And I'll tell you now, things drop off you, hatred drops off you, pride drops off you, obedience comes in. The more I die, the more Christ lives in me. And then, I'm a testimony to this. Been doing this for 20 years now. Got married. Thought I was a good bloke. Then there's a lot of garbage in my heart. And not everyone's had the same upbringing. Not everyone's had the same opportunities in life. But you know what? When we come to Christ, we start even. You could live in the best family or the worst family. But when you come to Christ, you're even. And God starts to pour his spirit in you. Makes this Bible come alive. Come on, somebody. It's exciting. That's why we say to die to self. Galatians 2.20, and I want to close on this. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Galatians. He said, everyone can read it together. Ready? One, two, three. I have been 
it is no longer but and no longer I live Paul saying Paul was Saul a religious zealot he knew the that guy Paul knew the Old Testament off by heart by the age of 12 some of us don't even know the our father off by heart this guy knew all these and the, have you ever read Leviticus oh my god you might as well read a UBD oh, you don't know what a UBD is anyway you might memorize a UBD he was zealous for God he was a Jew of all Jews. He was proud. I'm going to kill and rent up all these Christians. They're all weirdos. And, they're all, and yet he becomes the greatest weirdo. And he's willing to give his life for it. And the revelation he got was, I died of myself and God would speak to him. He would write things down. How many times did he pray? He was praying that, you think, um, Haram, you know, you think that I talk a lot. Or Rabs goes a long time. But Paul was preaching in Acts. The guy fell out of the window and died. <laughs> And then he laid hands on him, rose him from the dead. He goes, now come back inside. I go, imagine, imagine sitting there for four hours and then imagine on Wednesday night someone falls over, say Jared falls over and hits his head and knocks himself out and dies. And then we raised him from the dead. He goes, oh, can I go home? Now? No, 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 we've got another hour to go. <laughs> or DJ. It doesn't have to be an hour for DJ. He'd be asleep in 10 minutes. <laughs> I have been crucified with Christ, which means that the day I gave my life to Jesus, I was part of that crucifixion. I died with him, I buried with him, and I rise again with him in the new life. And now, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, which means the natural, I live by faith in the Son of God. What was Paul saying? If I live, I live to Christ. In other words, he was saying this very scripture. Doesn't matter what happens from now on. I do not care. I'm here to preach the gospel. And he says later on, it's better for me to stay in the flesh with you so I can encourage you, watch you mature. He was like a spiritual father to the church. And when I go, I'll be with him. But either way, I'm going to be with him. Hallelujah. Don't let the world take contaminate you. Don't let the world tell you. Don't let the world bring fear in you. Stand firm in what Christ has done for you. We are the head and not the tail. It's amazing. I'll finish with this story to tell you. I was at a church one day and uh, they had a guest speaker from Uganda. And it was a young lady and she was one of the Kony's, uh, you know, the Kony, that guy was uh, taking all the ch uh, child soldiers in Uganda and he was, he was kidnapping and killing families and taking their kids. And she escaped out of that and she's up on stage. She would have been, honestly, she was kidnapped when she was a teenager, but she would have been no more than 22, 21, maybe even younger. And she was telling her story about how she got abused, and I won't talk, there's a lot of kids here. And she was, you know, given as a, as a, as a, as a, as a uh, what do they call them? A bride for the soldiers. Soldier's bride or soldier's wife. And, and I'm sitting in there, and it's amazing, this was in Silverwater, and we're sitting there listening to this girl talk about her horrific life. Saw her parents gunned down in front of her. Um, they did atrocities to her sister in front of her, and she's seeing this, and they're making young guys do something to her, and, and that's how they control them. And she's up on stage telling you how much Jesus loves you and, and forgiveness, and, and everyone's sitting in this, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm sitting there going, wow, We've got first world problems and we cry about the dumbest things and this girl's standing up there and she's glowing 
and she's talking about how good God is and how he saved her. But most people would say, where was God when he got your parents killed? Where was God when you were, did this? And where was God? And we're always looking at God, well, where's the, what, what's the purpose of my life? How come I'm struggling in this area? And we whinge like absolute sooks and babies and we point our finger at God. And this woman standing up here talking to a Western people, the, her, her shirt was probably given to her. She has no money and she's and, and she can't have kids anymore because of the damage they caused her. And, that. and she's standing there saying how good God is and how Jesus set her free and how she forgave the guy who was in the thing with her. She saw him later and she forgave him and they're friends today. Oh, how does that work? And all these things. And she's standing there and she's saying how beautiful the gospel is and don't stop preaching and forgive and be quick to forgive and stop touching the things of the... And she's talking and then everyone's head's gone down like this because we're ashamed of ourselves because our problems are first world problems. And this woman can talk about the gospel like that. It challenged me to my core of my... I probably know more Bible than her. I've probably seen her. But she just sat there and she said, she, I might know more than her in this situation, but she knew Jesus. She knew Jesus, man. And I just... You sit there and you just go, oh my God, we should never complain again about anything. Because he's given us an inheritance. And he promised that with his blood. So if your inheritance is healing, claim it. If your inheritance is salvation, claim it. If your inheritance is prosperity, claim it. Whatever God's asked you to do, I'm not talking about prosperity and give me a lot of money so I go party all the time. I'm talking about being strong that God provides all your needs because the Bible says that we're going to look after the widow and the orphan. That's true and undefiled religion. That's what it's about. Can we stand? Hallelujah. What makes that girl from Uganda who had every excuse to be a victim, who had not just spiritually, not just emotionally, but physically damaged? Now, I'm talking about some harsh stories here, but in reality, sometimes we might, we might just need to die to hatred or die to unforgiveness or die to woe me or you don't know where I've come from and I don't know where you've come from. I don't know what you've been through and I'm not downplaying what you've been through, honestly. But I'm telling you now, Christ has redeemed that. If you were willing to die to yourself and for those who have been here for a while, start to die to self so you can... Be, so you can understand what's good, what's acceptable, and what's perfect. God is, God is not your genie in a bottle. You rub it three times and make three wishes. He's a personal loving God, the creator of your soul. Covenant. He made a covenant with us. Remember Jesus held up the bread in the Last Supper? He said, this is my body broken for you when he was whipped on the whipping post. And he held up the cup. This is the blood of an everlasting covenant. To a Jew, he knew what, they knew what he meant. Why? They didn't understand it, but they knew a covenant is shed by blood. And he lifted up the wine. This is my blood. They didn't understand that. But when they went to the cross, they understood it, that he shed his blood. That means he made a covenant that he could never break. 
He fulfilled the old law covenant and he made a new covenant. And he says it's everlasting, which means it can never be broken. It will never be broken and will never change. That's a promise to you and me. That's the greatest promise in the world. And you watch God flow in your life. He'll teach you to be, for me, I know I'm a better father, a better husband, better brother, all because of the gospel. Because Jesus touches your life, changes you, and you don't want nothing else but him. He's the lover of my soul, and he's the lover of your soul. Bow your heads and say, I just want to pray for you. Jesus, he's not interested in playing games. He's not playing cat and mouse. You know, it's amazing. Jesus fulfilled his end of his bargain. And he fulfilled it for us that we may give our life to him. He gave us life. He says, John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life, and life in more abundance. Another translation says, in, in the fullness, that you'll have a full life. He didn't say you're going to have an easy life. He didn't say you're going to have no pressures on life. He didn't say you're not going to have no storms. But you know what? If you could be in the storm with Jesus, where would you want to be? But it's time to surrender. Some people are here, I'm feeling in my heart today, some people here have still not forgiven that person that's hurt them. Still has not forgiven that someone that's betrayed them. You haven't forgiven yourself for, you believe that you've let God down, but you know what, it's time to let go. Old things have passed away. So dying to yourself isn't to die and, and end up in a monastery, in a cave, and giving up. No, no. Dying to yourself is that no longer the effects of this world will have any effects on you. And, and when you die to yourself, the devil can't touch you because you're dead. But guess who lives in you? Christ. The hope of glory. I want to encourage you today. If you don't know Jesus, you know about Jesus, but you don't know Jesus. Remember when you're about to do a covenant, the enemy comes and starts putting doubt in your mind, in your heart. But you give your life to Jesus. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to join a country club. I'm not asking you to become a religious nut. I'm asking you to surrender your heart to Jesus and let the Holy Spirit come through. I can tell you miracle after miracle after miracle that I've seen. It's by the Spirit of grace. He says, I'll send you a comforter, just like Dorian said. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, and He'll go. You become His church. You become His bride. Why? Because He lives on the inside of you now. The Bible says that God does not dwell in man-made temples. He dwells in the hearts of those who love him. And some people need to give up some stuff. Time to give up. Time to let go. Time to shut that off. You have a life to live. Time. Today is the day of a time. You are worthy. God loves you. It's time. Today is the day of your salvation, the Bible says. So, Father, I thank you tonight. Thank you for your lovely presence. You're not the God that condemns, but there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You're the God that saves. The world's already condemned, but you sent your Son that he might save the world. So, Father, we are part of your loving mercy that you would touch us tonight. 
Bible says it's pretty simple. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and you confess from your mouth that God, He came and died on the cross and rose again, and you repent of your sin, you shall be saved. Not by your good righteous deeds, but by His grace and mercy. But you have to come and grab Jesus and say, Lord, I forgive me and set me free. And the inheritance is waiting for you on the inside. The kingdom of God is not food or drink. It's not what I have, what I don't have, what I own, I don't have. But it's righteousness, right standing before God, justice and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You're a spiritual being with a soul that lives in a body. My son AJ was talking to me about a patch on an old garment. If you put a patch on an old garment, it's like you're trying to patch the old man. But God doesn't patch the old man. God doesn't, doesn't fix that old man. He doesn't try and... Rest. You know what? He kills the old man so he can give you the new man. An old patch on a... A, a new patch on an old garment will tear away. So, so many people are trying to fix that old man. That who I am and I'm just, that's just who I am. And, 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 and the psychologist said this and the counselor said that. And my mom said this and my brother said that. And God's saying, I have the last word. Trust his word. He says, you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Fear, leave in Jesus' name. Give your life to Jesus. Repent of your sins. Make him the Lord of your life. And I thank you, Jesus. I love him. Your love, your kindness is better than life. And I pray a prayer. Bless everyone here today, Lord. That we can stand worthy. That we can stand and say that you would look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I pray this prayer. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Thank you for listening. Be blessed. Any questions, you can come up. You want prayer, the floor's open. If you want prayer,